Beloved, if you're not a worshiper, you've got a problem because we are going to be doing this forever and ever and ever and ever for when we go into the kingdom. And so get, get yourself ready, man. I want to be in the front row of the worshipers. I tell you what, imagine that we can see him face to face. There will not be one standing. We will bow low in the presence of the king. Amen. This was just a little taster, but I'm so grateful. I want to say welcome to everyone. Thank you to our online um, visitors and family of God that are watching online. My heart was this week, in line with what Pastor has been preaching and some of our other preachers, just on the kingdom, the glory of the kingdom. I prayed for the glory this morning, and we have had a taste of the glory. Amen. Aren't we grateful to the Lord? Let's just give the Lord a hand. So I don't know if... You are aware, but you are a glory carrier. If you're not sure, I ask you to come and see me afterwards. We are vessels, and we are to carry the glory of the king. If we are not doing that, we are failing in the most fundamental of things that is required of us. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and upon me. Hallelujah. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Can you just say, thank you, Jesus. I want your glory. I want it to arise and shine on me. I receive the promise. Beloved, there is a glory that God wants to display in this season, no matter how dark times are. And you and I are the glory carriers. No one else, not the angels, not all of creation, although it does display the glory of God. Have you ever seen an amazing sunrise and sunset? That is just the glory of God. But there is a glory which is going to come from the kingdom of heaven, which belongs to you and me, that we need to step into. I believe, and I'm saying this prophetically, it is a season where God is going to and pour out his glory unto you and to me. Why? Not just that we can look great, because we will look great. But it's for his glory. And to display to a lost world something that they need. Why would people want to be Christians when we're sour prunes? We have to be different. You have to look different. Otherwise... Why would I want to do this? Am I right? So we can't do it in our own strength, but we are glory carriers. Amen. Haggai says in chapter 2, verses 6 to 9, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts is the commander-in-chief 
of the, of the hosts of heaven. He is our commander in the heavenlies. He's the one that's warring for you and for me. The commander of, uh, in, in charge is Jesus. Amen. He says, thus says the Lord, that one of the hosts, once more, and it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Then he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we can believe that this is the literal temple, but I want to say 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, by the way? We do not belong to ourselves, not if you're a Christian. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you are the temple. I am the temple. And now he is saying that the former glory, the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. This is Haggai. So, so there is more. Can you just be expectant in your heart that there is a more coming, that we need to be ready? Paul is telling the church in Corinth that we are no longer in charge of our bodies in the sense of that we are to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and that we are to be changed from glory to glory, that we have a responsibility to put off whatever's holding you back from receiving and to position yourself for glory. I don't think it's just going to land on anyone and everyone. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But God is saying, I will fill my temple with my glory. So I believe that we are going, if you listen with a prophetic ear to what God is saying around the world, there is something that is downloading. It's called the glory. It's called the glory, beloved. And I think when we start to experience and anticipate and prepare our vessel for the glory, we will see signs and miracles. Uncle Nas, we will see signs and miracles. We are to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm prophesying now that there is a glory rain, a latter rain, a pouring out of God's glory that is about to happen if you are ready or not. Those who are ready are going to be filled and we are going to allow that glory to shine. If you are not ready, I'm going to say you are going to lose out. It is now time for us to stop drinking from the bottle and to eat the meat. Amen. Our pastor has been speaking a tremendous word from um, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, for weeks and weeks. Now I'm going to go into Paul's anointing.
<laughs> for a minute. Paul's anointing was he would correct the church. He would bring them to a place of maturity. He would speak truth to them. Would you receive from me this morning? Beloved, I want to say to you, it is time. We cannot sit in church and hear and hear and hear and not become doers. Those days are for bay. I believe if we do that, we will be part of those that lose out in the last days. If we do not hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst, and be passionate about the things of God, and the things that need to be cut off us, it is time. We brought a tremendous message on um, offense, but there are still people offended. It is the bait of Satan. Please, beloved, recognize your enemy and cut it off. Murmuring, um, even marital problems. We all go through some stuff, but it's time to mature. It's time to say no more. My husband or my wife is not my enemy. I know who my enemy is. Let's get this right. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, which meant that he laid down his life. Wives, honor your husbands. Honor your husbands. And children, stop rebelling. You want the glory of God? Step into that in Jesus' name. I'm exhorting you. It says, Proverbs says, you know what the biggest problem is in all our little things that we are all dealing with, if we're really honest? This little thing is our biggest problem, the tongue. We are too quick to speak, too quick to judge, too quick not to forgive. Am I right? This little thing, unbridled, is the, probably the biggest weapon that the enemy uses against us. Amen? Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat from it. So what you do with this, in many ways, will determine your destiny. Amen? So pastor brought a message on the 12 spies that came back from Canaan, 10 were, we cannot get into the promised land. Those giants are too big. We look like grasshoppers. And two said, no, let's go in and take the land. I want to say that many times God is saying, step into your promised land. Those who were disobedient, they did not enter into the promised land. In fact, a very scary scripture is found in 1 Corinthians 10, and I want you to read it at home. It is sobering. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 to 13. You read it at home and allow the Holy Spirit to scrick you. Because Paul is telling them about what happened with the Israelites, how they had seen the Red Sea part. They saw the plagues. They walked through. They went into the wilderness. They saw manna coming from heaven, water from a rock, the cloud by day and the fire, pillar of fire by night. They saw these things. They heard the audible voice of God. And yet they built for themselves an idol. Just like that, in the midst 
of audible voice, audible presence, audible miracles. Are we not just a strange lot of people? <laughs> and yet, it says in that scripture that they were murmuring and complaining and that 23,000 were struck in one day from sexual immorality, murmuring, complaining, hardened hearts, not believing God. God struck, does that sound like a harsh God? Aren't you glad we're living in the New Testament days where the blood of Jesus covers us? But can I say, it's still the same. I am of the impression that when we do those things, the same things that they did, let's not be too righteous here, we still complain, we still murmur, we still talk about our brother and sister in Christ. There is idolatry, you know. Is your car your idol? <laughs> is your child your idol? Or your husband or your wife? Or maybe it's your body, you know. Your pumping iron. <laughs> That's so important to you. What's your idol? So let's not say, oh, I, I wouldn't do a golden calf. No, but maybe something else is your idol. I'm of the impression that when we err from God, we die spiritually. Maybe you're going to say theologically that doesn't sound right. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He is with us until the end of time. However, you can die spiritually when the things of God are not sweet to you anymore. When you can be in this atmosphere of worship and feel nothing, unmoved. Then I want to say, is there a chance that you have died spiritually? Is there something God told you to do and you haven't done it and you've kind of forgotten? I want to remind you today Whatever God has told you to do and you haven't done it, that is called disobedience. And I want to encourage each of us today. I'm introspecting. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for the presence of God. Are you desperate? I'm desperate for the glory of God. I hope you are. I'm desperate for whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do download in the season. I want to stand like a child, wide open arms and say, me first. James 1, 21 to 25 says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, I implore you, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. We are getting the implanted word week after week, which is able to save our souls and be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and then immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in all he does. You want to be blessed? Then there's some introspection that we need to do. The opposite to this is 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. It's so powerful. It says, but we all with unveiled face are looking into the mirror, beholding the glory, are being transformed into the same image of Jesus Christ by glory, from glory to glory, and how? Even by the Spirit of God. We can't do this on our own. We have to engage with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. There is a peering into that mirror, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and allowing him to transform us into his image from glory to glory. We're never going to quite make it until we get to heaven. I don't know about you, but a transformed body and a rejuvenated body sounds so good. Can't wait for that. Okay? But we need to be hungry. So I want to encourage you today. The scripture that I felt that God was saying at Isaiah 60 is that we need to become desperate for this glory. Desperate people. There were so many desperate people um, in scripture. We can go through all of them. The woman with the issue of blood. I mean, she was desperate. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. Desperation. You need a healing touch? desperation that caught the Lord's attention we think of Zacchaeus he wanted to just see Jesus and he climbed up the sycamore tree just to see the master and it caught the Lord's attention you know there's so many that we can go through and then you might say but you know I don't know if God would see me and I've done so many bad things I don't feel qualified just remember that Peter denied the Lord And yet Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall build my church. Paul was a persecutor of the church. And yet the Lord said, I will give you all that you need. I mean, nearly all of the New Testament is written by Paul. He persecuted Christians. Have you persecuted somebody and put them on a stake? No. There's hope for us. If somebody who put people on a stake... For their faith in Christ. God can have such compassion and say, I'm going to use you, but you will suffer much for me. Amen? So there is hope for us. Jacob, I mean, he stole his brother's inheritance, hiding, and he has an encounter with the angelic beings. Do you anticipate the angelic, the supernatural? I don't know about you, but I want to see angels. I come through those doors on a Sunday and I say, Lord, during worship, show me the angelic beings. Because they are singing with us. Sometimes we hear them. In fact, at our worship night, we had an experience where four or five or six people all testified that they could hear angelic beings um, in this house. And I experienced that as well. Not This isn't funny, ho-ho, supernatural, silly. This is stuff that we need to want, be hungry 
I want all that God has for me. I want to experience the supernatural. So maybe you say, well, how do I do this? How do we get so hungry? What, what do I need to do? So there's a few points. So firstly, Hebrews 12 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we, in turn, if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have a grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. I want to say, beloved, the word that you receive week in and week out, do not refuse the word. Allow it to change and to cleanse and to excite and to ignite you. We shouldn't walk in one way and still walk out the same. It's no longer okay. We need to be changed and transformed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. The second thing is, we need to walk in the Spirit. You say, what is that? So Paul the Apostle is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he goes on and he says, the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The, the gifts is not just for you. It is for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But it is the same one Spirit that gives all of these gifts. These are known as the power gifts. Amen. Spiritual gifts are portions of God's grace to display the personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. Can I say that again? Spiritual gifts are portions of God's grace to display the personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit and are given to every believer for the common good of all. I don't know about you, but we need to practice and desire, and hunger, and thirst after the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You say, how do I do that? I can't even pray in tongues. I want to say, if you don't pray in the Spirit, please come after the service. I've always loved that gift, but in these days, it is our life source. If you cannot pray in the Spirit, I want to encourage you, please come. Let leaders pray for you. You can spend hours and hours and hours praying in the Spirit. And you are warring in the heavenlies against things that you don't even know about. Because you are connected in the Holy Spirit. And He knows what your future is. He knows what you're going to go through. In Jude, it says that as we pray in the Spirit, we strengthen ourselves... Don't you want a strengthening? Pray in the Spirit. 
Paul says, desire the gift of prophecy more than anything. And we've all had some flaky stuff happening with prophecy, but let's not throw the baby out with the water. In these last days, we need to have an ear for the prophetic so we can hear what the Spirit is saying. We need to be vigilant. Start to ask God to prophesy over your loved ones where they will forgive you. Ask God, I want a word for my husband. I want a word for my, my niece or my nephew. Begin to operate. We have to practice. It's called faith. Lay hands on the sick. You say, oh, I don't have healing hands. It says lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So it takes you and me to lay our hands on somebody for the chance of them being healed rather than shrinking back. Remember what happened to the spies? They shrunk back and they never entered into the promise, their inheritance. And you know what the sad thing is? That their children, I don't think, got the full inheritance of what they should have got. But it said that Caleb had a different spirit, a more beautiful spirit. And Joshua, and they entered in and they received their full inheritance, they and all their generations after them. So, by faith, begin to lay hands, begin to prophesy, pray in the spirit like, like your life depends on it. Amen. There's discerning, the spirit of discernment. Let me tell you, a discerning spirit can save your life. Do I go there? Or do I not go there? We must be so tuned into the Holy Spirit that He will guide us even in those little things. Do I take this job or don't I? Is this the girl I'm going to marry or isn't she? A wrong relationship can destroy you. I thank God for my husband. 47 years. In Jesus' name. And we can't get any glory because it was the Holy Spirit, the love of God, God, God in our lives. We give Him praise. And then I want to say, lastly, worship. You want the glory of God? You want the presence of God? You want to step into glory? I believe it's a minute by minute by minute, not a Sunday from Sunday. If you're only tapping into worship on a Sunday, and this is where you feel the presence, well then come and camp out here with your mattress. We cannot afford to not be in the presence of God minute by minute by minute. You say impossible, impossible. It takes hunger. Have you ever seen a desperately thirsty person? Hunger. If you're not hungry, you won't understand that. But those who hunger and thirst will be filled. In Jesus' name. Can I ask the worship team to come forward, please? Can I tell you that worship is not just singing songs? I think Rainy is going to bring a message one of these days on what true worship is. Engaging with the King. It's not just something that we do on a Sunday. 
um, kind of is the religious thing to do. Like our tithes, you know, we must give our little bit of money and we must worship. And I might lift my hands. Worship is a condition of the heart. Amen. When you love the king, you cannot but. Every minute of the day in the car, Jesus, I worship you. Wake up in the morning, first thing, Holy Spirit, you are with me. Thank you. What are we going to do today? I hope I'm making you a little bit hungry. It's a passion to be in the presence so that the glory, you know, there was a time when there was this gold dust and stuff that was happening. It says that the latter will be greater than the former. I don't know about all of that stuff, but if there's gold, I want it. If there's feathers, I want it. If it's falling over and staying there for days, I want it. I don't know about you, but the times that we are living in, if we are not passionate and hungry for the things of God, we are going to struggle. I can't do life without him. Every minute of the day, it's almost an all-consuming thing, like the presence of God. What are, where are you now? I want to be close to you. We can have his presence every minute of the day. It means consciously being aware of his presence.